0: Today today is the full moon, and uh, this moonlight has been so bright and so intense that the other day I actually looked up when the full moon was because I was convinced it was two days ago, but it's really today. Um, and it's an image for full enlightenment, the full moon. So I thought I would read a poem by D. H. Lawrence, which he wrote just before he died, called Prayer. Give me the moon at my feet. Set my feet upon the crescent like a lord. Oh, let my ankles be bathed in moonlight that I may go sure and moonshod, cool and bright-footed toward my goal. Luminous awareness. It's beautiful when somebody can... um, get that sense of the luminous awareness being infused within us so deeply. It's at our ankles and around our feet. Mindfulness. We're doing mindfulness practice. So a lot of the talk tonight is about mindfulness. At the beginning of sittings, it's really helpful to incline our attention toward Mindfulness. Very simple. And that can be as simple as inclining your attention toward um, understanding your experience rather than judging it. And that rather than judging it is huge. That's not mindfulness judging our experience. And often when we... um, start to get a taste of what mindfulness is, we start to see how easily we judge. It's, it's kind of unfathomable <laughs> how easy it is for us, how effortless. And this intention to understand rather than to judge is kind of... Um, it seems far away from us sometimes so making space for it like it's it's like literally like setting the intention for it and when we when we taste it at times to really settle back into it and relax into it even if it's a few seconds to to value that experience so much that we that we take the time to actually taste it like you would a mango, or you're something that you really like. So we're inclining our attention to what is happening, not what we're wanting to get. So any time the attention is caught up in what we fear or what we desire, um, which uh, both of those are a kind of control, this intention just to be with what's happening, free from embellishment, free from judgment, uh, this, is, this is mindfulness. The other thing that I think is very hard, very important to start, a sitting or a walking, both both with, is inclining our attention toward kindness. Because kindness is very close to um, not judging, and it isn't exactly the mindfulness, but it's it's close. It's like a close cousin. And if you if you set that intention to be kind, that kind of um, Relentless, <coughs> the, the relentless, sometimes savage or merciless judging, uh, they, it gets um, softened just by that intention to be kind. Rumi said, a great silence comes over me and I wonder why I ever thought to use language so I'm going to bring in different metaphors or descriptions of mindfulness this next description is wordless gentleness so, just um, knowing that what Steve is calling this pre-verbal awareness—it's—it's it's before the thought about the experience occurs, and we live in a kind of jet lag, usually where we're we're behind what is, we're behind what is, we're behind what is. Um, so, the the wordlessness, the kind of shifting into the space where we appreciate silence. Not that we don't hear our our thoughts as, as very loud at that point, or not that we don't experience the body even more intensely. It's not that we're trying to get rid of sensations or rid of thoughts. It's more that we can experience them as they really are not without the filter of our past ideas about things. So this this tends to require the willingness not to know what's happening. And thinking that we know what's happening is a very secure world. You know, it's like rain, <laughs> you know, banana, you know, sun, full moon. It's like anything that we think we know, we're not going to be interested in. And it's the same with a friend or, you know, it's like we can go through a day in a life with people we really care about and not take the time to not know them. So what I'm saying is we really can't connect There really is no possibility for intimacy with ourselves or others if we think we know what something is or who they are. Because actually, in fact, the truth is that we don't know because every moment is new. And what is true is what is unpredictable. (laughs) What is true is what is unknown. And being connected with that truth is protecting for us. Otherwise, we're just living in the past. It's all just knee-jerk conditioning, not really alive. And of course it's understandable. I'm not saying that it isn't understandable, that um, it's familiar and feels safe to live in a world based on the past. But it isn't mindfulness. And it isn't the truth. (laughs) So the truth is always new. And I I said this last retreat, but we're not making this up. You know, it's like, this is not something that I'm standing up here, or sitting up here, like making up. It's actually the truth, the word truth means something. It means true. So in actual fact, yes, we can't describe really anything with words, but we actually can start to grasp the range of experience that we've taken birth into and that we live in. So that range of experience from joy to sorrow, that range of experience from pleasure to neutral to pain, it's like awesome And if you just bring your attention to your hand right now, we can use the word hand, but to to actually try to describe this experience that we're having now, not two seconds ago, not five seconds ago. If we just say, this is my hand, you know, that's useful if we go into the grocery store, right? And you know, we need to like talk about something in a in a way that's functioning. But in in the meditation practices, we're sitting or walking, the idea is that we if we have energy, enough energy, that we just take a closer look. And it might be that we just notice heaviness. Now, you might say, well, heaviness is a word, too. It is, but it's much closer to the experience than the word hand. And we're not saying to get stuck in that description. We're saying, see if you can get closer to earth, air, fire, and water, which means see if you notice any temperature, cool or warm. You might not, that's okay. But it's, it's that dropping into the experience with our awareness and, and feeling it without going through the thought process that's so important. And we're not wanting you to sit here right now, or uh, we're not wanting you to go, oh, is it cool, is it warm, is it, is it burning, is it tight? It's, it's not that way. It's more the willingness to just be interested And what it's like to just be with that experience without the words. And all the descriptions that we offer are ways to help you get closer to it. And then, you know, to see if you can notice the changing nature of these physical sensations. One of the reasons that we offer earth, air, and fire, and water is because they're considered to be real. So the range of experience that can happen with earth element, for example, is all the range from um, hard to soft. And the idea is that if we notice something soft, then we might notice how it changes. And if we notice something cool... The idea would be to see if you can notice it changing, meaning our bodies are alive and that these, these elements are always in flux. That's how we stay alive. As we know, a dead body <laughs> loses its, you know, it just gradually loses its changing nature, Yeah. So earth, that range of hard to soft, temperature, that range from burning to warm to cool to cold, air, light vibration tingling, flowing, well no, water is flowing, light vibration tingling to movement, to tightness, throbbing, stabbing, And I I hope you're hearing in this that there's this range of pleasant to unpleasant within these physical sensations that we can have. Water element is considered to be what holds all the other elements together. We're considered to be a lot of water, yeah? So that it's like the, the flowing nature of aspects of our body, you can have a sense of water element. If you don't think you're in touch with the elements and you're sitting for a long period of time, just bring your attention to your buttocks. 30 minutes into the sit, you're probably going to be getting in touch with earth element. 40 minutes, 45, by an hour, if you're not in touch with hardness, you're asleep, right? <laughs> you know, it's very tangible at that point. We hope. So it's not like we're saying there's something wrong with that experience. In fact, it's a great way to be in touch with earth element. Another aspect of mindfulness is soft readiness. It might sound like a simple expression... But if you, if you really kind of tune into it, readiness is an amazing word. And readiness means that we are so in touch with the truth of change, that we accept it so deeply. And we realize that we're not in control of it. And so readiness means that we are... <laughs> it's a brilliant word. It's like we are ready for anything to happen because that's the truth. And, you know, this is... Um, it took me so long to even accept that about mindfulness, that that's really what we were doing. I just... I, I didn't come to meditate, like, to figure that out. You know, I, I, I just wanted all pain to stop. And I found myself at a Vipassana course, and I was like, No! <laughs> want to hear about you know pain and pleasure coming and going by itself you know that wasn't what I I wasn't interested in wisdom it was hard it was hard to kind of and I wasn't taught the way I'm teaching right now but it was like that sense of a strong mind is a mind that really is so connected with the truth that we are ready for anything to happen not attached to just getting what we want, so this this is like that um, shift from the motivation, being with what is, and learning that that is um, the greatest protection. The Buddha said when he found this imperturbable peace that he saw security everywhere. Can you imagine? He was so protected, fully enlightened. So that means that in any moment of hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, he wasn't lost, free. The mindfulness was sustained enough, like he had managed to (laughs) have the, the attention, the concurrence sustained so I'll get into that a little more. Um, I just want to check this. Hmm. So this readiness is implying a deep acceptance of how things are, of change. And the soft readiness means that if the mind is hard, if we're tight, we can't really be flowing with the change of life. You know, we're, we're, um, it's like we're hitting boulders all the time. Hmm. Okay. In um, most meditation worlds, there are two kinds of concentration that are emphasized. and one is called fixed concentration and one is called momentary concentration. And they have very different goals. So fixed concentration would be like if we turned out all the lights and it was dark and we put a candle up here. And the instruction would be, this is very important, keep your eyes focused on this candlelight. And if a sound happens, ignore it. Even if your attention gets called to the sound, ignore it and bring your attention right back to looking at the candlelight. And if a knee pain happens... You ignore it. It it, might be called, but you pull it right back to staring at the candlelight. If a thought happens, you ignore it, and you keep focusing on the candlelight. If an emotion like sadness came up, you'd ignore it. You ignore, you ignore, you ignore, you repress, you repress, and ignore, and ignore. And you keep staying one-pointed on this thing over and over and over and over And that is one kind of meditation called fixed concentration. And the goal of that is tranquility, one-pointedness. This is not the practice we're doing. (laughs) And so it's really important to remember that just keeps bringing about a sense of union, 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 union. And it feels great. It feels wonderful. That's what I, like, unconsciously wanted when I came to meditation. I didn't know it, but it's like just that getting absorbed in that one-pointedness and having no sense of change. No no pleasure or pain, neutral, no... Just like, ah, just stop everything. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it. That's fixed concentration. Now... Vipassana meditation, the way we learned it and the way it's usually taught, (laughs) is to compromise between fixed concentration and momentary concentration. At first, it's a compromise. So momentary concentration, in its purity, the goal is wisdom. It's to be with things just as they are. It's not to ignore anything. It's not to repress anything. But you ignore and repress enough so that you can learn how to be with things as they are. So you can't go from having a flower bud all closed up and not able to be with pleasure and pain and neutral and change. We don't rip the petals open because the ability to open to things as they are is determined by how much mindfulness you have. If you're protected by mindfulness, you can be with anything. If you're not, you can't really be with much of anything. So the momentary concentration would be um, how life actually is. So if you took 10 seconds of any 10 seconds of your life and you pay attention to just how it is, There would be a sound, a thought, a body sensation, a sound. Something, I'm not saying it would be exactly like that, but it would be maybe in 10 seconds, maybe 12 mind moments like that. Hearing, smelling, hearing, thought, body sensation, thought. That's what's really happening. And it's very hard to like be with it and see it clearly and not get lost in the thoughts about it. I hope I'm, I hope you're staying with me. So, um, but the goal of a practice is aiming more and more toward full-on momentary concentration, being with things just as they are, being with, able to be with the flow of life changing. So having an anchor means the compromise. It means that you're coming back to one thing, but that thing is still moving. It's kind of fun, huh? So so say you're coming back to the breath as an anchor, but we we give people options because for some people the I'd say for over 50% of the people, the breath is too hard. But if it's helpful, if it's, relatively speaking, being somewhat helpful, you, you come back to that. Meaning, if a sound happens, your attention is there. It's choiceless. Your, te- your attention will be with the sound out there or here. Um, and then you notice it changing, disappear, and you come back to the anchor. Body sensation might happen, it'll be choiceless. You didn't choose to go to it, it just happened, and instead of ignoring it or repressing it, you notice what's there. It's called, if it's predominant, if the sensation or if the thought or if the emotion, if it's predominant, meaning you're there, This is choiceless. You notice it, and I'll go into this more, but you're with it until it is no longer predominant, and then you come back to the anchor. That's the compromise. You're noticing change, but you're re-stabilizing. You're re-stabilizing. You're re-stabilizing. And sometimes we will encourage people to just, like, not even explore what what's predominant. It might be that a body sensation happens. We have no mindfulness. We are tired. <laughs> we have no interest in it. Just come back to the anchor. If you're new to the practice, you're going to need to be anchoring more. If you're going through a lot of stuff, even if you've practiced 40 years, you're going to need to come back to the anchor. So being with the anchor is not like... Um, kindergarten and being with choiceless awareness is not like the phd it's not like that it's like sometimes we need to be with the anchor a a lot it's skillful means we need the protection being with the anchor is called rest it's called solitude it's wonderful because you're not being with this constantly changing process you're finding it's called, I call it like um, a harbor, or a refuge, or a sanctuary. It's not totally one, because even within that it will be moving and changing. But it's it's like, it's meant to be something somewhat neutral. So... <laughs> We're not meant to be anchoring, like if you have, say in, in your body, you had really intense chronic pain in your hip. Not a good anchor. <laughs> because it's, the anchor is supposed to be something you can come back to with a certain amount of dignity and grace and ease, and um, it's supposed to be a rest. So that's why the breath is recommended, of course, because it's usually, usually for less than 50% of the people, but for uh, some people, the breath is somewhat neutral. For other people, coming back to their whole body is a much more stabilizing force, much stronger. Um, and Sayadaw Upandita, both Steve and I had him as our teacher, he gave us a lot of different anchors, or we heard him give anchors to other people. And that's why we have so much confidence in it, is because we've seen this work for people. So, for example, if you can be with rising, falling here at the abdomen, um, Upandita really insisted that we come away from the tip of the nose. And, um... I kicked and screamed all the way. I had spent ten years at the tip of my nose. I had no interest in going to my abdomen. And it was a battle. Very hard. But you know what happened? My attention came out of my head. I got away from being so close to all these thoughts up here. It was hard, but the center of gravity went from up here gradually down to here. A lot more space between the thoughts, if your attention's more down here than up here, if, look how far. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's far. <laughs> it's great. It takes, it takes time. And at first, when I was, I was so trained to come back here as an anchor, and I started, when i come back here, I'd go, <laughs> you know, stop it. But I finally learned to go, okay, that's what was predominant. Of course, I'd spent 10 years doing it. So I'd I'd just be there, notice the sensations, and then I'd come down here. Fine. So if you've done other practices, you know, fine, that's great. But you just learn to shift. Now, for some people, hearing is a much more helpful anchor. So how that would look would be the hearing would be the anchor. If a body sensation called the attention, the attention would be there. One would notice the changing nature. Or if one was tired, one wouldn't stay there. You come back to hearing. If thinking happens, you notice thinking. You come back to hearing. So, see, anything can be used as an anchor. It's really getting to know what's the helpful one, the most helpful anchor for oneself, and you cultivate it. Again, as a harbor. Momentary concentration is like going out to sea. And the anchor is like coming into a harbor for rest. And then you let go of the anchor, you go out to sea, then you come back for the rest. The other anchor that is can be really helpful is sitting, touching, feeling like you can feel like the front of your torso or just the body posture itself, and hands, very stabilizing. The noting is sitting, touching, and you just feel what a few body sensations or the general posture, and then if five or ten seconds with the hands. If one does use the breath as an anchor at the end of the falling movement, at times it's helpful to feel the hands or the front of the body, again, as a stabilizing force. And these, you know, I'm just, um, in your individual interviews, of course, we encourage you to talk about this. And there will be times when There'll be enough energy, concentration, mindfulness, and um, you'll just be with what we call choiceless awareness, or what Steve is calling the sixth sense door awareness. And you just, you don't anchor. And they'll follow body sensation, thought, hearing something, and and then you get lost in thought, and you don't re-anchor. You just jump back in. You don't re-anchor when you get lost in thought. And basically, I'm describing... What's already happening anyway? It's like I can say these are sort of three general ways it happens. Um, but this will be happening in your practice anyway. And sometimes we're so tired, we can't even anchor. And we're doing sort of a mediocre, mediocre job at choiceless awareness because just, we can't anchor. And we're just going to be like aware of like a bunch of stuff happening any, anyway. And it's okay. So I don't want you to get like feeling like, oh, I've got to do this right and now I've got to anchor and then it's, it's We're just offering you some skillful means. And you'll find there are times when when the attention will just get called into anchoring. And you won't have much interest in going with your moment-to-moment experience. And just trust that. It'll be natural. It's like when Steve is talking about your inner guidance system and your inner wisdom. It'll come. And if you get frustrated and you feel like, Oh, anchoring's really all I can manage and this is what I need to do, just do it. Another time, it's like if you're thinking, to heck with anchoring, I'm just going to do nothing for a while, and that, you know, that's what needs to happen. It's like it's pretty choiceless. You'll just do it. It's okay. We're only describing what you already do anyway. And it's a matter then of then it's the matter of the attention learning to be concurrent with it rather than behind, concurrent with it rather than behind. And certainly the idea of, like, when we've had it, the idea of ignoring and repressing and just being with one small thing, that makes sense, right? Of course we need to learn to do that. In fact, that's why I don't like to say anchoring is like kindergarten and then just being with what is without any intervention is like where we're going. It's not like that. It's much more that sometimes anchoring is skillful means. And it's really what needs to be happening. And other times just letting things be as they are and just going with how it is That's skillful means. The other thing I want to say about this, just to (laughs) set the record straight, um, Whether we're with the anchor or not, (laughs) um, you can either use the anchor as just very light concentration, which is very restful. So it's even learning how to be with the anchor in an even lighter, more ordinary, restful way and other times we can be with the anchor with mindfulness and that you know that will bring about more insight and i don't again i don't want you to think too much about this but it's it's very simple so say we were with rising falling it's hard enough <laughs> to bring the attention to be with anything and just to be with it concurrently so that you know if you can manage that for a few seconds this is a huge achievement You really have to take that in. It's like, so say you're a. This doesn't have to be with the breath though. It can be with the sound of a bird. It can be with moving your legs, like lifting, moving, placing with anything. But say you can be with the sensations within the rising movement. If you can be there with it as it's happening, that's concentration. That's just concurrent. You're with the flow of the movement. That is great practice. You're with the movement of your legs as you're walking, or you're just knowing you're walking and you're with your body moving. That's the very light, beautiful concentration. It's a rest. Say you're eating, and you're with the movement of your arm as you're bringing the fork up to your mouth, and you're just, your attention is within the arm, and you're just bringing it up to your mouth. That's very light concentration. Very restful. You can't get anywhere in this practice without it. So a lot of the practice is just that. You can just, if you get tired, just be with knowing you're sitting. It's very restful. Okay, say we wanted to be mindful (laughs) with being with what's happening. Then it's like if we're with the movement of the breath, and this is hard, it's like you're, if you notice some movement, you see if you can be with that movement and notice it change. If you're with the sound of a bird, your attention is synchronized with the sound, not behind. But at times, see if you can notice it disappear or change. That's the mindfulness. Do you see? So there's, do you see the difference? But you can't notice it change if you're not with it. So the idea isn't like that, that noticing the change is an intellectual memory. It's, you, it, it, insight only happens, and you can't make it happen, and it's not going to be happening all day. It's like rare. Very rare. You know, it's like you'll be with it, you'll be with it. Sometimes it'll be restful. Sometimes you'll notice the change. And mostly I recommend not to think about anything I've said. I really mean it. Don't worry about if it's concentrated. Don't worry about if it's mindful. I'm so lucky. I didn't worry about any of this the first ten years of my practice. I mean, I'm not saying... You have to be that drastic about it. But um, I think it's much easier to just see if you can be interested in what's happening than to know that so much of our thoughts about the experience aren't the experience. I developed this thing in kindergarten where um, I didn't listen to what the teacher said. So that's why I say that, because by first grade, my ear door shut. I wouldn't even hear what they were saying, so I didn't do so good in school. But it really helped me with this practice. (laughs) Because it's like, I just, I really mean it. It's like when we get too analytical about this practice and we're sitting there trying to figure out what's concentration and what's mindfulness, it's, it's awful. And it's like, just, you know, I practice learning how to be with things as they are through listening to bird sounds, honestly. And I would, I would go to the edge of the ocean here and I would just see if I could synchronize my attention with the hearing of the sound of the waves because I couldn't even be in my body. It wasn't safe. So if somebody had forced me to be with my abdomen and with the breath when I first walked in the door, I would have had to leave. It would have been too hard for me. But I found my way, and that's why you'll hear the way we give instructions is honoring, actually, that each of us will have a sense door that's easier to explore what I'm talking about. And for some of you, it will be your body. And for some of you, (laughs) the body will not be the sense door of choice. But you will have one sense door that will be easier than others. And cultivate it, get to know it. It's, you know, it's like, and then if you can learn how to be concurrent with something, like for me it was sound, then I could see if I could be with with body sensations. But I didn't force it. If you're walking, sometimes you just, like, see if you can just be with the movement. And you're just... The attention is within the leg, and you see if you can be with that movement. Again, that's light concentration. And it actually will feel wonderful. And then sometimes you'll start to, like be more of an investigation, and the investigation is, what is my experience free from the idea of the word leg, or my leg, or that's the earth? It's just like you let go of all the words, and you just see what is, what's really happening? And it's usually very light. It's usually like, mostly I used to just notice movement. And I used to think it wasn't good enough. Like I thought I should be noticing more, and it would just be I just noticed this kind of vague movement, And when I finally went into an interview with Upandita and I said, "I'm just noticing this vague movement," he was like, "Yeah, <laughs> That's it." And I was like, "Oh, why didn't you say so? <laughs> why didn't you say so?" <laughs> you know But it's like and then the idea is that you see if what happens to that movement and it usually disappears so we have this whole idea that this is my leg and you know it's like it, those sensations are really not referring back to anybody <laughs> a me or a mine or an i or a you or an ours just just investigating just investigate what actually is there that's all we're saying It's it's this it's this gradual getting honest, more and more 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 honest. honest. It's great. It's just really great. Hmm. So it's almost like our body has its own soundtrack. It's really like listening to body sensations is like listening to music. But it's like listening to a soundtrack that we haven't learned to listen to that way. So it's like if your body was as interesting to you as your favorite music, and by the way, why isn't it? This is a really important question. What is so disinteresting about this life? You know, this is fascinating. But like this this shift from being not interested in what's really happening, and this doesn't mean we're interested in the circulation of the blood or the bone structure of the foot as we're walking. You let all that go. It's just bare attention. It's called bare attention. You just try to listen to it as it is, thoughts. They are so powerful. But we're not interested in listening to the thoughts in a way that might be helpful. We're just listening to them <laughs> like, as these like ins- insistent, demanding things that we're believing rather than being interested in the thought process itself. So it's similar to getting a sense of, like, listening to your body like your favorite music. The language of thought, (laughs) it's like, uh, it's learning how to listen to it without being lost in the content. So I tend to listen to it like, oh, it sounds whiny. Right? A lot of my thoughts sound whiny. Oh, they sound angry. Oh, They sound sad. Oh, they sound happy. It's like listening to it in a different way. And then you can drop in your body and not be lost in the um, endless fantasy and projection that isn't real. So, the ability to to pause and make space for like the unknown to emerge it 's like we never know what our bodies really are. we never know what an emotion is or thoughts or it 's like if you can get that sense of like um, just letting the unknown in the mystery of life emerge moment by moment and making space it 's like. Um, You know, the beginning of Star Trek, where it's like exploring space and, you know, just exploring the mystery of the universe. That's what we're doing. And the purpose is um, freedom. The purpose is gradual layers of getting more and more unbound. Deeply unbound, deeply unwound, um, complete, utter, total freedom. So the, the the goal of mindfulness practice is wisdom, but the goal of that wisdom is really to be free and to be free from suffering. And we can only do that in the present moment. So as you can tell, I'm encouraging um, taking the time to be genuinely interested in life. You know, And it, it'll just give it, just have some patience. It's out of great kindness that we want to be free from suffering. Stay in touch as best you can with that motivation. There's a a small little poem. Your song caresses the depth of loneliness, O high mountain bird. Your song caresses the depth of loneliness, O high mountain bird. Well, they're not saying my loneliness or your loneliness. It's like That's a very deep, soulful little poem. But it's like, can you imagine just being interested in the experience of loneliness and not having to get rid of it, not buying into it, not having to do anything with it, just letting that experience come and go by itself? Hmm. Or with anything that comes downstream in life, you just like let it come and go by itself because that's actually what's happening. And it's only when desire and fear get in the way that we suffer. So let's sit for a minute. be happy and peaceful of heart.